Welcome back, everybody, to the Con Expo Con Egg Podcast. I am your host, as always, Taylor White. And uh, first off, I want to thank everybody. Uh, we released our podcast, our first episode with Scott Pushy Six last week, and I appreciate all the positive feedback on that and all our platforms that everyone listens and um, to them on. We've had a lot of five star reviews, and uh, I really appreciate it. It's, it's been nothing but positive feedback, so thank you for that. But today. We have a guest that I've been working on for a couple weeks now. You may know him from his show, Salvage Kings on History Channel, or seen his incredible team and machinery demolishing projects such as bridges, buildings, or anything really that can be torn down. Ryan Priestley. Ryan, I am happy to have you on. Thank you very much for having me, Taylor. Yeah, no, no problem, man. First of all, I guess kind of give people a bit of a background on how we got connected was last, uh, my first podcast I did with Scott and he mentioned that you guys were both on a panel at Con Expo 2020 together. And he's like, I reached out to him like, hey man, like I gotta get Ryan on the podcast. He's like, let me talk to him and let me see what I can do. So that was kind of how we, we got connected there. Yeah, well, Scott's a great guy and he's always so great for the industry. It's trying to just get more people aware of what's going on in the field, which is really Scott's sort of base in the hole. He's, he likes to bring it down to ground level you know so everyone can see what's going on out there it's it's refreshing yeah 100 no i could not agree more with that i guess to give people a bit of a background i figure the best way to kind of lick i'm sure lots of people know who you are but for those that don't like what do you do and how would you describe what your business does well my name is ryan Priestley. i'm the president of Priestley demolition and we do work across canada now in the u.s and we basically remove anything so we have a lot of big projects that are you know taking down big facilities steel mills paper mills our plants we do a lot of civil work bridges dams concrete recycling crushing we do uh, asbestos abatement environmental mold all that and on top of all that we do a lot of labor work so we do a lot of interior work inside of buildings and the biggest piece of equipment might be a wheelbarrow or a bobcat. So I've been trying to cater to our customer base over the, over the course of time. And it's a little different in certain areas. So a year ago, we purchased a small company in uh, Alberta, Calgary. And then we do uh, a little bit of work seemingly all the time out on the East Coast. And we took a job, a project in the U.S. a few years ago. And we've been trying to build up down there as well. So there's a lot of moving parts on a daily basis here. We're just trying to keep it between the ditches. Yeah, well, not super impressive. I mean, yeah, like even here in Ottawa, um, yeah, I think you guys did. You guys did like a massive bridge demolition. Um, and one of my buddies works. Uh, he's a foreman with Acon, and you guys were there doing it. And it was like overnight. You guys took down an entire bridge in like the span of like twelve hours. And there was actually somebody live streamed it too, and it was just incredible. The kind of like you said, the scope of work that you kind of cover is like both big and small, but you seem to be able to do it with precision and, and accuracy and, and quality. Yeah, we, we started doing bridges about 20 years ago. And I remember we, we did the first one on a, on a weekend where uh, my actual sister was getting married. So <laughs> I worked on the Friday, but I didn't work on the Saturday for obvious reason. But, uh, and ever since then, it's just been, a, a, you know, progressively honing the, the skill set of the guys and now it's almost like just a matter of just you know, hold them back until you say uh okay guys let's go and 
almost every weekend in the in the summertime, we do a bridge removal on a 400 series highway somewhere, somehow. And then you get some work over some water and you get some work over some areas like uh, last year we did the work at the Gardner Expressway. So that was a little a little different, a little interesting and, and different again. Not a 400 series highway, but you got to watch like even there, it's like more pedestrian traffic than even car traffic. But uh, we thrive on it. We want to come up with a plan that's going to work for everyone. And we want to come up with a plan that's going to make it efficient and safe and, and uh, get done on time. Yeah, there's well, there's value in getting good people to to do good work, right? And I learned that even at our size, which is super super smaller compared to you and your scale, but getting people in to do it sometimes we might be looking at a project and seeing where we can save a little bit here or there, but then you know to do like a, a concrete curb, you know, I'm like, wow, we could do that, you know, and then you do it and then you screw it up and you go, you know, we should have just got somebody that actually just does concrete and is professional in it to just do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talked to you were saying like, you know, like we started doing bridges 20 years ago, I feel like maybe a bit of a, a backstory, like that's interesting. So you've been doing it for a while. Are you a, a first gen, second gen, third gen, like myself or, or. Yeah, my father started the business. He started his first business in 1971 called Vic Priestley Contracting. And then he formed Priestley Demolition in 1993. I graduated my college uh, days about 26 years ago, maybe. So ever since then, I've been involved with the business and I took it over, I guess, sort of full time, probably about 15 years ago. I guess uh, my father is definitely still around and he's definitely still willing to get involved. But uh, on a day to day basis, he doesn't really get involved. So he sells an office here. We see him most days and he's always busy buying and selling uh, sometimes properties, sometimes antique sometimes antique farm tractors you know and then uh he just called me about 10 minutes ago he's like uh i'm coming to pick up the bulldozer from your house and i'm taking it up to the auction house in aurelia tomorrow morning that's his big job tomorrow he wants to go get that done and that's great that's awesome that's what it's all about right so for me to be able to afford him the the ability to get up in the morning and do whatever he pleases is 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 me accomplishing that goal I want to talk more about like the Con Expo. You were at the show uh, in 2020 and you were on a panel with Scott uh, Pushy Six as well, correct? That's right. Yeah. Nice. What did you guys chat about on that? Well, it was just basically Scott. Uh, he's endorsed by Con Expo to a certain degree, I guess. He, he does these interviews and stuff like that. So we basically just, you know, we kept it pretty open. So he, he basically just asked me questions and I answered it and we were on the stage there and they record it and it, it's available to everyone to see. So what I did learn in doing that is obviously it was, uh, we were one of the only can like he's Canadian, I'm Canadian, only one of the only Canadian sort of acts, if you will, down there, but you know, they do it on all kinds of things. Right. So on us, it was more to do with the reality TV show. He's trying to ask what, what the, what the TV show was and what, what the appeal there was and why did you guys do it? And how, how do you find it? And you no, know, basically the TV show that we had was, uh, it's good. It's great. It's it's. I think it's some way for people to see what's actually again happening in the in the work world, in the demolition work world, and to to get it on on television, on national television. It's great. And now it's you know it's aired all around the world. I just went to the Calgary Stampede this summer, and I met these people who recognized me and said, "I watch your TV show." So I was a little bit put back by that. I mean, it it does happen out there, and I. So you just see it, but, uh, you know, I think it's good for, again, like we we're discussing, like the next generations coming up, they can see it. 
we did two seasons with the TV show, but we're not going to be doing a third. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So it's, what's going on there? So you decided maybe... It was very, very difficult to find the projects that would suit the needs of the TV show in the sense that they need a little tighter timeline. Like if you have a project for six months, they want to film a whole season in six months. So you can't uh, can't do that. And then a lot of the homeowners, said, like how many houses can you film and stuff like that. So we were trying to find little odd jobs and then... During the pandemic, it became you know tougher again because then they couldn't even film in certain areas. Because back when the pandemic first started, you know this area is green, this area is yellow, <laughs> so TV wasn't even open for a bit. So it uh, it just got a little bit too funneled for us to 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 really partake in. So they're they're going to take the show and they're going to keep doing it. Ted, who was the star of the show for who worked for us, has gone on to keep doing the show, and I think it's a great opportunity for Ted and. Uh, yeah, I think he really he really enjoys it. I think the rest of us were doing it as okay. Well, today I got to do some TV show work. I guess I don't. You know what I mean? That's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. So, do you think that overall it was a a positive experience for your business? Like, do you think it helped the industry as a whole as far as demolition showing it, or did it help your business more? I think it helped the industry as a whole to a certain degree, and I think it helped our business to a certain degree. It's not a financial gain to do the TV show. You don't make money by doing the tv show if you were to air for like you know 10 seasons and get that big bolstering of followers and you really had this yeah like gold rush or something yeah like if you had something like that then then it's a little different but canadian television is not like american television financially so the the financial reward here in canada just it's a lot different than the u.s so like gold rush for instance i don't think they had to make money mining they had to make money on the tv show whereas some years they made money in the mining probably and some years they made money on the tv show so they did twice as well right but uh here it was you know it's not really a money making adventure to make a tv show but it did help we would get calls saying oh you know i have this building i want to tore down i'd be willing to be on the tv show and you know there is some brand recognition for sure through the tv show and uh but again getting brand recognition in the uk doesn't really help us get work in ontario yeah, you're right. But um, I imagine someone such as yourself, too, though, like, you probably have a lot of, you know, really good connections or, or reputations or, or people, you know, and within your network, or even with the city of Toronto, or, you know, that it's like, you know, we do good work. So necessarily, you know, how much work are you trying to pull from something like that versus showing Priestly Demolition, the brand, the culture behind it, and maybe attracting people to come work for you might actually be the biggest gain, right? Exactly. I think you nailed it on the head. It's it's all the above. You know, it is a little bit of everything. So like I say, it was overall good for our business. And it was a little bit of, you know, maybe didn't get us a whole lot of new connections or new business, but, you know, maybe some people came and applied that they wouldn't have applied before. And maybe like you say, some people called that they wouldn't have called before. And I think even the people that work here enjoyed it to a certain degree, you know, so I think it was good for culture all around and stuff like that. So it was great. It was a good experience. Awesome. No, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I kind of, it's just not the same thing at all, but I mean, like I do YouTube, you know, I have a videographer and editor that follows me around all day, every day, and my whole team's on it. And, uh, like I actually don't make money off YouTube. Everyone thinks that I make money off it, but I actually demonetize my own videos because I use copyrighted music because I find that it makes the videos even better because if I don't want to watch the video and I find it boring, then I don't want to put it out there. And sometimes non-copyright music is like elevator music. It's just like, you know, like 
pull hair out of my head. You know, it's kind of just boring. So I'll use Morgan Wallen or a Hardy or a 50 Cent or an M&M stuff that's fun and interesting. And I make zero dollars from it. And like, but it's larger as far as like growing my brand and growing the culture and showing people because one of the issues um, in the industry right now is labor shortage. So having people kind of just email us and from our contact form on our website being like, dude, I love watching your stuff. I live in Ottawa. I'm working for this company. And like, I love what you do with your employees. I want to try, I want to work there. That's super cool. But that kind of segues into the next conversation. One of the reasons I actually really want to have you on because I, I really would value your opinion on kind of, you know, and I guess that's what a con expo is good for as well. Talking to other business professionals and, and people that are dealing with the same issues and stuff that you have going on as well. There's a lot of positives, but I think what's really interesting right now is this labor shortage and, and issues that we have going on as far as inflation, uh, fuel prices and stuff like that. What are kind of your thoughts on on that? What do you see as the biggest issue? Maybe it's not labor shortage for you. Maybe it's the fuel prices or maybe it's something I'm not even covering. But what are some issues that you kind of see with the industry right now? I do think everyone is paying more for everything. When I go to the beer store and I buy a case of beer, I actually say to the lady, thank you very much. I feel like you're undercharging me for the first time in my life because beer really hasn't gone up. Like, you know what I mean? Everything you touch. Thank God, baby. <laughs> right? So everything you touch, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're buying groceries or if you're buying tires or you're buying parts or you're buying fuel or you're buying an airline ticket or you're buying paper for the photocopier. It's all gone up. And the question with inflation that really, as a business owner, is like, well, what's the number? Is it is it three percent? Is it eight percent? Is it five percent? Is it twenty two percent? Is it thirteen percent? And you know, I just feel like there's a real disconnect on what's happening percentage wise. Truly, it's uh, a lot of people like you know you hear all oh, like uh, again not to not to pick names, but you know this equipment manufacturer or that equipment manufacturer saying oh, price is going up. Uh, you know, prices are going up twelve percent in November first. Well, what, when's the next increase? And when was the last increase? So, I mean, is it 12% or is it more like 18%? Because there was already a hike like a year ago. So it's just very confusing out there for a business owner to know what inflation really is and how it affects the bottom line. And there's no question we have to charge more for our service. You know, so a project that you used to charge, you know, $10,000 for or whatever it was, we need to charge, you know, 10800 for or something. It's just the reality of what the world we live in, and it's it's attacking us, it's eroding us without even being able to realize it. And having a conversation from within your organization with the powers to be on, on inflation is is quite confusing. It's a bigger issue than maybe we're even giving it credit for right now. And the and like in the price of fuel, like a year ago, it was a dollar less, or maybe even more. Right. So the start of the pandemic, it was like down to like eighty cents, and then it was you know. A dollar, and then it's so nice. Yeah, well, and then again, so we didn't we didn't really talk about it then as being this huge cost savings because again, it's you pay so much for fuel all the time anyway that when you get a little, I was still complaining about fuel. Right, exactly, right. So you have to try and fight it at both ends. Like if we're going to do this work, how do we do it with the least amount of fuel? And same with the labor. How are we going to do this with the least amount of labor? Because if I wanted to hire 10 guys tomorrow, it's just not that easy. There's a shortage of availability on people. And it's across the board. I, I agree. Yeah, you, you kind of nailed it with that. And I think one of the 
one of the things that I had at the beginning of the year conversations like with my team uh, and even my father, you know, where he's like, oh, like, what do you think is going to happen this year? Because stuff is, you know, so much more expensive. And I'm like, well, to be honest with you, the, the price of fuel, I don't really care because who cares is the end consumer because the price of fuel goes up. Sure. Great. I just charge more for my projects. But who does care is the end consumer because they're the ones paying for it, which sucks. Right. Yeah. So that was the whole kind of thing for us was like, okay, sure, we can raise our prices and we can do more because the price of fuels going up. Great. We're still going to get covered because we're going to charge more. But when does that end customer say, whoa, you know what? That's what I think is whenever th work was going to slow down is whenever the end consumer was like, we don't want to pay that. Well, and, uh, you know, there's some rumors now in the industry where in Toronto, there's all these condominiums getting built on a regular basis. Like, I mean, they're just, they're anywhere from five stories high to 50 stories high and they're ongoing all the time. And people that have sold these condominiums are stalling these projects because everyone's charging more. So by the time everyone, all the different trades to build that condominium, by the time you add it all up with all the inflationary costs, it's now become like a bit of a deal breaker to build that condo. Now, when you stop building the condo, the problem is, is where do the people live? You know. I just heard a story this morning where the guy's like, yeah, my brother bought a house and he made it into seven bedrooms and within three days rented it all out. Yeah, I think the rental market's crazy. Yeah, I don't know how big this house is, but I'm just suggesting to you that the problem is, is we need, we let immigration happen and let people immigrate into Canada and they need to stay somewhere. And in the GTA, it's one of the, it's a hotspot. That's where people come to and that's where you, that's where you start your life in Canada. And then you can choose to go wherever you want from there. But it's a, it's happening across Canada and every small town, and it's a there's just a shortage of places to be, and it's costing more for to keep those places, i.e., the fuel prices for your propane or your hydro or your natural gas, anything natural gas. It's and uh, and then I just had one of our guys went over to Ireland for a couple of weeks, and he was saying over in Ireland like. They've already announced there's going to be a 26 percent fuel increase by the end of the year, and they've told everyone that's as good as it's going to get. Like that's, it's only going to keep going up from there. So you get this war happening across the pond and you'd like to say, well, what effect does it have on me? Well, that's part of the inflation also, unfortunately, you know, you can, you can blame whatever you want, but it's all these factors feeding into it that it's just beyond your control. It's not, nothing to do with Taylor or Ryan and how we operate our, uh, our contracting business. It's, it's where, you get the goods from and, and where the goods are coming from and the snowball effect down the line by the time it affects you, you know, like when you go to the grocery store or what have you. Yeah, I love this. So so then where is your head at then as far as like, because, you know, basically what you're saying is, you know, like it's something out of our control, right? This is something out of our control. So then where does the business owner such as myself or even yourself, because it doesn't matter what size you are, it's affecting everybody, right? It doesn't even matter if you own a business or not, it's affecting you. So where's your mindset as far as like, okay, I have a construction company or I, I have a, a, I'm in this industry in this time in the economy. Where's your head at? What keeps you awake at night? You know, does it keep you awake at night? Does some nights for me. It, it does some nights for me too. And I think that at the end of the day, that one of the simplest way to say it is you got to be able to balance your bank buck. So you have to spend less than you get in, right? So if you know you're earning a paycheck 
and you're getting in $500, you got to spend 495. You can't spend 505 or it's every month. You just keep going a little bit in the wrong direction, right? So that's number one. And number two is I think that there's a real peak to what's happening here. And I don't think it can last forever. I mean, I've been saying it for about the last 12 months. Unfortunately, nothing makes sense. Did the pandemic cause this? Did the war cause this? Did who knows? But even if you have unlimited funds, let's just say you won the lottery yesterday and you walk in and you want to buy even a Ferrari, chances are they don't got one anyway. Chances are you're waiting. So even when you're like, okay, well, that part is more money than I thought, or that that product is more money than I thought, but okay, I'm gonna get it anyway. <laughs> Sorry, sir, we don't we don't have one of those in stock. You're just gonna have to stand by. And we can give you an update in about, you know, three months on what we think the next update. So you can't even get half the stuff now anyway, which is crazy. Even if you're charging me what I think is way too much money, but I'm willing to buy it anyway because I need it. Oh, sorry, we don't have it. So it's just not a lot makes sense right now. And I think there's got to be some kind of correction coming just with real estate and price of fuel and inflation. But I don't think it's going to be huge. I don't think the correction is going to be 50% or anything like that. The correction is going to, you're going to see things settle 10, 20%, maybe 25 for certain things. And uh, we saw it a little bit with lumber. It's never going to go back to maybe what we remember as the low point, you know? So if we're thinking of fuel as 80 cents, I think those days have come and gone. We got lucky for a bit there, but uh, you know, and even now I, I, I don't, my house is not very far from my yard. I drive a diesel pickup truck, so I don't really follow the price of fuel as well as I maybe should. I watch diesel. But like it's come down a little bit for sure from, from its highest point. And uh, it's probably going to come down a little bit more, but that's probably going to be your new norm. We're probably not far from it now. And, you know, same with the groceries and, and the real estate and stuff like that. It's just, it's going to stand a little correction, but it's not going to go. Because, again, that grocery store is paying more for their hydro. That grocery store is paying more for their natural gas. That grocery store is paying more for their labor. That grocery store is paying more for their deliveries. That grocery store is paying more for everything because of everything. And there might be a slight correction, but there's going to be no massive collapse or 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 correction of big numbers, in my opinion. But that's just a matter of opinion. No, no. And I like getting everybody's opinion. It's something that again, like I said, does keep me up some nights thinking about it because, you know, we did a massive growth spurt here in the last three years. We bought property. We're renovating an office right now. Um, big office. We did a big shop, you know, and, and like you said, it's kind of just like managing and, and working on cash flow. And then you looking ahead and it's like, okay, December, January, February, March is coming. Those winter months are coming. Those are for me, those are my darkest days is the winter time, you know, as, as a growing business, it is though. It is cash. Cash flows king, right? Oh, I mean, I was going to say quite, sucks. quite literally. It's like you go to work in the dark. You come home in the dark. It's dark times for sure, right? So, and some days you're hoping you got a little something done. I agree with you. The the winter months are always hard. We're a little more fortunate with our industry in the sense that we can sometimes keep working. And if we have an interior stripping job, like we ripped out the inside of Maple Leaf Gardens in the winter, beautiful. You know, work every day, no problem. Beautiful roof over your head. You got. I reach working in there. It's just like, this is awesome. But it's good because you got to integrate into those things like like you're doing, right? Yeah. But again, it, if that project had to happen in the summer, we would have done it in the summer too. It just happened to be in the winter, right? So yeah, sometimes it works out like that. 
build as big a building as you possibly can. Because every time you build a building, it seems like it's small in about three years. Yeah, it's already too small. Right? It is. Seriously, I know. And my, my, my dad said that as well, because, you know, we were kind of planning out. And I'm like, we put two, we put three 14 by 14 bay doors in it. And then we already had an existing 12 by 14. And the end wall was built so that you can actually extend onto it in the future because we're like, well, this will be big enough for the next five, six years. And it's already too small. Uh, it's, it's not, it's already not big enough, but you know, as far as the economy and, and looking stuff, how I always think of it is like, yeah, you know, like right now might be uncertainty in the market, but like you said, I, I kind of agree with you that it's, there's not going to be some massive, crazy crash downturn, but if you're patient I think that if, you know, history repeats itself, there might be a little blip, but, you know, 10 years from now, the property that we just bought is still going to be worth more. 15 years from now, it's going to be worth more. 20 years from now, it's going to be worth more. So try not to get caught up about these these little blips is super interesting. But when I say that I get held up at night, sometimes I'm curious to someone that has as much going on as you and as much going on in the economy, like kind of more of a personal question, but what do you do as far as managing stress? Like, like, what are your some, you know, stress relievers? Like for me, I like running, but I also like acting stupid with the guys, you know, having a pint, having a scotch and a cigar, going golfing. Like for me, that's kind of like my downturn time. So what do you do? Yeah, all of the above. I've always played hockey and I've always played golf and I enjoy going to my cottage on the weekends. I like getting away once or twice a year with some other couples or my family. I like. Uh, Going snowmobiling. I do a lot of snowmobiling in the winter. So it's uh, all those things I think are good for the mind. A son who's 17, a daughter who's 15, and uh, another son who's three months old. So I'm starting all over again. And it's... Uh, Congrats. Yeah. So, you know, uh, trying to balance that work-life thing has always, always been there. And it sounds like for me, it's never going away. But I think I enjoy it. I think having family has been great for me too. So, and that's just me. Yeah, I enjoy it. All of the above. It's all that. And I, I actually think sometimes just even working, you know, sometimes it's like when you go and do a job or get a job done, that gives you tremendous satisfaction and gives you sort of a, a boost for the next one. You know, every time you get something done, it's uh, when you see something done, done, like actually done, it, it's it's quite nice. I agree. It's I find what I lack sometimes. And I know that some other people can relate is sometimes I feel like I stop to I forget to stop and like smell the roses, you know, like we'll finish a big, a big milestone project that, you know, like guys have been estimating and going back and forth with with the contractor for for four or five months, finally agreed on it, then like, you know, another eight months later, we get the project done. And then it's done. But then immediately my brain switches on to like, all right, well, now what's next? Because we got to keep going, right? I don't take time to actually sit back. Even when we acquired our building, I, I didn't take time to sit back and go, man, like, this is fantastic. This is a huge win for us. It just kind of was like, okay, now we need to do this and this and onto the next and onto the next, right? You got to take time for yourself. It's hard to do and it's worth it. You know, when, you, uh, when you're in a good mental state, you know, you make better life decisions and all the people around you see it and feel it as well. So to stay in good health is good. It's important to me as well. I had a little workout this morning. <laughs> I know you can't tell, but it, it, it's a, you gotta it's, do something doesn't matter about what you look i tell people like i'll go to the doctor's office for instance i went to the doctor the other day or dentist i went to the dentist and 
he's doing some hard workout challenge. And I'm like, oh, cool. I did 75 hard. He's like, well, what's that? I said, you work out twice a day, 45 minutes outside, 45 minutes inside for 75 days solid. You don't, And no drinking, no, no nothing. And he kind of like looked at me because like I'm 235 pounds, six foot three. I don't necessarily look like a runner. Right. And I feel like he was kind of looking at me. I'm like, but I don't care about the looks. I don't care. I, I do it for this because like when I'm running or I'm working out, I just I'm thinking differently. I'm thinking more clearly. I just I feel on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch of us here and a couple of these guys are starting to do these marathons and stuff. And it's pretty funny. Just the just the intercompetition, just internal here. It's pretty funny. So that's good culture. I didn't uh I didn't join up for that one though. I'm not really for a marathon just yet. But you know, uh I did go water skiing on the weekend at my cottage, you know, I slalom and stuff like that. So that nerve takes me down for a couple of days after. That's like you're feeling it all, all four corners of your body for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. hundred percent. If you need to meet them, they're here at Con Expo Con Ag. You'll meet industry leaders and friends. You also, I can guarantee this, that you will build some new relationships in the community. You will find the equipment, services, and people within your construction field. Ladies and gentlemen, registration is now open. And if you want to save 20% off admission, use the promo code PODCAST20. Again, that is promo code PODCAST20. That is something special that we're doing here on the Con Expo Con Ag podcast for you. I'm going to be going. Ryan Priestley is definitely going to be going. Tons of people. Everybody in the construction industry goes to this thing, okay? It's North America's largest construction trade show. It's March 14th to the 18th, 2023, in the beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Check out conexpoconag.com to register for more info. Back to the podcast. We were kind of talking about like stress and stuff like that is there a project that you remember that whenever i mention like project and stress that kind of like pops out to you and it's like oh god that that you know that that river bridge project that we did seven years ago oh and everyone in the office kind of like oh is there a project like that that you could share that was like oh man the old man projects for sure like the biggest sort of type timeline project we ever did was probably the uh the terminal one at, at, at the airport but it led to 20 years of confidence in, in the marketplace. So at that time, that job was probably beyond what our, our company's capabilities actually were. But you didn't say no. We didn't say no. Pulled it off to, at the end of the day, was, was tremendous success, not only for us, but for them as well. Like we, we did a good job there for them. And here we are 20 years later, and we're taking out a runway at the airport. So we're still working there is my point. And, you know, when you fly to all the airports in the world, it seems like there's always a little work going on there. And it seems to probably be the same people time and time again, because there's a comfort level that everyone understands what's actually happening. So it's it's been good that way for us. But there's been some unique projects also. And But that building at the airport that we took down, it was, it was a monster. It was just a big building. And... You know, some of the equipment that we had at the time was not big enough and we bought some bigger equipment and we had to do it quickly to get it there on time to to make it happen. But then we actually fell that building. So we do these controlled drops where we cut these big columns. And I mean, the steel was three, four inches thick on the columns. So, you know, you're cutting holes in these columns and hooking these shackles. It's like, you know, 35 ton shackles. Like you had to be a good, you had to have your your breakfast in the morning just to pick the shackle up, let alone hook the cable on. Right. So, and, uh, 
we do this job and we worked every Saturday. We worked 12 hour days. Like we worked like eight months straight like that. And it just, uh, it really did. It did. It, uh, it was a big undertaking. And my son, who's 17 now, he was born on November the 1st, which was a Monday. And we did the last one on uh, November the 5th, the last pull. So we had the last 16 columns and we cut them all and we had it all hooked up. And then we had a big barbecue and we invited everyone out and we pulled the four columns out and the thing didn't fall over. And I was like, oh boy. This, this is, and then of course, you know, everyone starts kind of an uh oh moment. Yeah, it's like now what, right? You know, everyone becomes like the sidewalk superintendent. Well, what you should do is, you know, well, let me tell you, and uh, all, all of the above, right? So, so anyway, we ended up using the the big high reach that we bought that summer, and we used it. And we we pushed it, and it uh, it all came down as planned. So it just uh, wasn't one of our engineering marvels, but it wasn't one of our not engineering marvels either. You know, so we we pulled it off at the end, and it was great. And then it was uh, we cleaned it all up. But that was that job to be done that job on time with the amount of equipment we had at that time was was pretty uh, remarkable. And it was just the you know the, the teamwork that happened and the commitment from everyone, and actually allowed a lot of people from within our organization to grow as well. You know, just nice. knowing that we got to keep these machines running, or we got to keep this, we got to build the crew. I know this guy has been with us for two years, but Let's give them a chance. Let's try this. Let's try that. And it would just, uh, it worked out pretty good in the end. So, yeah. Well, building a connection like that too and following through with it is super important. I think there's a lot of value in what you just said at the very beginning of it that I tend to do quite often is bite off a little more than I could chew, maybe, but it ended up working out. You know, last summer we did, or last winter for winter work, there was an opportunity to, you know, do land clearing and get into some land clearing. And, um, I'm like, well, what a great way to spend the winter then in the bush. Perfect. You know, there was 45 acres at our, our local airport to take down another airport job because they're doing development there. And, uh, it was way more than we could handle. <laughs> and, uh, I, I remember just standing at the, be the, the beginning of the bush at the beginning of the winter, you know, standing there next to my, my right hand man, my, his name's Brad. And I looked at Brad and I'm like, dude, can we do this? And he's like, I don't know, but we gotta. And we hammered it out and we got it done. Um, we may not have made a crap ton of money at the end of it. We may have even just broke even, but I kept guys busy for the winter. We kept the machines moving and we built the relationship with the people. Um, and now we do majority of all the work on that site. Well, and if you had to do it again this winter, you probably would do it a little different. I would nail it. Exactly, right? So it's... There's a learning curve and, uh, you know, you, you take on these projects and then, you know, once you've learned it, you've learned it. Right. So, and like you say, it's, it's great to make all kinds of money, but if it's that easy, we'd all be doing it. Making money is always hard and, and it's always a, you're taking a chance here every day. As far as I'm concerned in the contracting world, anything can happen. It can be perfect out there. Flash flood. Boom. That's a cost that you're never going to estimate. Oh, flash flood. How much? You're not putting that in the estimate. It's just not happening. You know, so, oh, everything's great. And all of a sudden, the gravel supplier, you know, gravel doesn't pass. Well, what are you talking about? It passed when we talked a week ago. What, what's, what, you know, all this stuff. So it just goes on and on and on, right? So just uh, as far as facing challenges on a daily basis, the contracting business is pretty out there for that, as far as I'm concerned. It's just a very challenging job day in and day out. It's, it's the amount of hills you got to climb on a given day is just, 
it's sometimes if you stop to think about it, it gives you a headache. That will keep me up more at night than inflation and fuel pricing. At least fuel pricing, you know, this is how much I pay for the fuel if I want it or not, right? And half the time you need it, so you just take it, right? But yeah, some of the other challenges that you get to on a daily basis, just it's it's from everything. Yeah, well, it's adapting, I think. And like you said, there's so many different aspects in construction. It's adapting on the day-to-day. Like we started our week last week, uh, Monday morning. I was finishing a meeting with another guy that we do a bunch of work for. And I get a call from like one of my yard guys. And I'm like, you know, like, why is this guy calling me? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. to, I'm going to ruin your day. And I'm like, well, that's a good way to start the conversation. I'm like, what's going on? And we have a big 450 Komatsu loader. And he's like, I just drove a metal pole through the front tire of the loader and it's done. And a loader tire for that is $6,000. And you can't just buy one, you got to buy two, right? Because then the loader would be sitting sideways. So right there was a $12,000, uh-oh, first hour of the day on a on a Monday morning. And it's a good example of like, you know, coming home at night and the wife's like, oh, how's your day? And just like, huh, well, it was good. You know, it's, it's everything I expected. Do you really want to hear about the loader tire? Because that part sucks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But but if you're right, it's adapting and kind of getting over it. And, and that's our industry. But I don't want to highlight so much about maybe about stress and, and stuff, because this industry is awesome. And, and that's, again, you know what, I, I'm sure you're much as myself, all this stuff that we're talking about is stuff that I actually live off that that stuff. I, I run on chaos. I love it. And it, I feel like in order to be successful in this industry, you got to love the organized chaos, you have to or else you're not going to last because it is chaos. It absolutely is. It's just, there's so many moving parts. It's what I was trying to allude to before. It's just, you know, to be able to predict what's going to happen is almost impossible. So to adapt and move onwards and keep your head up and keep positive, it's only for the certain kind, you know, only certain people. And that's, that's probably why there's so many people love it. It's, it's, it becomes like a fatal attraction. Can't get enough of it. You know, it's just, it's, and it keeps going and going and going and, you know, as our company has grown over the years, you just keep meeting more people and more, you know, different cultures. And, you know, the way they do work in Eastern Canada is different than the way they do work in Ontario and versus Alberta and BC. And it's just, it's different everywhere you go. I'm not saying it's bad or it's worse or it's just different. It's just, they do it that way and that's the way they do it. And that's the way they've been doing it. And it works and it's great. So, you know, you just can't come in there and kick down the front door and say, oh, we're doing it this way today. It doesn't work like that, you know. So, but it's uh, even in the U.S., you know, it's just very interesting to see the different cultures and how they approach doing their work. And it's it's all similar, but it's all different. Yeah, I had a podcast with uh, the last one that we actually just released was with a guy named Nick Drew, and he's from the U.K. And uh, we were talking about machinery and it really stood out to me. I'm like, yeah, I yeah, know, like, you know, we have like four skid steers now and, you know, some loaders. And he's like, oh, like, we don't use those here. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes like, when we're on site, he goes, we use like site dumps, we call them. So they're like a track machine with a little, and it's true. You see them all over Instagram. It's a track machine with a, it's a little mini track dump truck that they use on site to bring material from one side of the site to the other. He's like, it's super uncommon for you to see um, people using loaders or skid steers on the sites. More so, it's just these site dumps. I was like, that's really interesting because here I've never seen a site dump. I've never, like I've seen rock trucks and stuff on larger sites for mass excavation and stuff, but I've never thought about using a mini track dump truck on a job site to bring material from one side to the other, you know? Yeah. 
and over there the wheeled uh, the wheeled excavators they call them rubber duckies. But they're ahead our they're ahead of our time because now at least in the city of Ottawa, like um, you know, we talked like uh, someone like Kavanaugh, like they bought a bunch of wheeled excavators because they're such a sh- no one has them and they're so handy, especially put a roto tilt on a wheeled excavator, and they're awesome because and they're in that niche where you could drive to the job site, right? Well, and Ottawa is still the size of town where you can sort of get around in one. Yeah, exactly. It's a you know you can drive it down the road. So you know someone like a Kavanaugh is doing so much work and. East End or whatever you want to call it, West End or whatever. That's like they could just float around, job the job, and go over here, load a truck, go over here, clean this up, do a ditch over here. It's spread some topsoil all over there. I'll expose utility over here. Can and the guys like uh, it's like a rubber tire backhoe? Only you can load a dump truck way quicker. Backhoe, I refer to as it's like the, the jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, backhoe is super handy, and we have one, and I'll always have a backhoe sitting in the yard, but. Do you want to grade a parking lot with a backhoe? No. Do you want to do fine grading with a backhoe? No. But they're handy. Yeah, that's right. You can you can make a trench. You can backfill a trench. You can dig a footing. You can backfill a footing, and it's put a set of forks on it. You can do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But we grew up in a time when the, the skid steers weren't as prevalent as they are today, and and the mini excavators, like those mini excavators today, are everywhere so you know you can have a mini excavator where you need a rubber tire back before well it's a much smaller investment to buy a mini excavator you know than a, for like a trenching crew or something like that so yeah but they still exist and they're still good we have one and like you say it's it's kind of always out and around but it's not really busy all the time but it, that's okay too yeah exactly there's value in that um so it's kind of you know, wrap things up. I want to end on asking you kind of like, what's next for, for you? What's next for Ryan Priestley or Priestley Demolition? I know that you've acquired some stuff out in Calgary. Um, I was actually talking to Tara from Equipment Journal. She was mentioning that, you know, you, you've been been doing some of that stuff out there. You acquired a demolition company out in Calgary, but looking forward, what's next for you? What's What's next for your business? Yeah, we're just, we're looking at some more acquisitions in the future for sure. Probably do something south of the border in the US. Our goal is to grow to 250 million, 25, which might be a little aggressive, but it's uh, something that's doable. So it's just uh, learn that you need to have a goal. At least then, at least we're all going in the same direction. You don't want to lose complete touch with reality. You know, it's, it's, it's great to have a goal and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if, if it's not in the cards, it's not in the cards. But so we've done a big, big investment in our team here in the last sort of three years, just trying to make sure we have the right people in the right place and and continue to grow that team and, and continue to grow the business. We're a family business. So my nephew, who's 22, just entered the business a year ago. So that's great. And my son just started college on Tuesday. And he's taking construction engineering technology at Fanshawe, which is where I went. I have two guys with their CET that works for me. I I did it. I dropped out. I failed every course. So I said, you know what? I can. I'll just hire those guys. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not book smart. So I uh, I took the route of uh, partying and and stall stuff that I can't talk about on this podcast. But I, t- I took that route rather than that. It took me longer to smarten up. But that's impressive that he's doing that. It's a super great course for our industry. It's it's something he can relate to. He likes he likes putting his boots on. He likes getting dirty. So that's good and. I have another a second nephew of my sister's younger son. He's he wants to become an equipment mechanic, which is also fantastic because tell him to get that right away. Oh, <laughs> hard to find that. Well, it's 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 
it's definitely uh it's hard to find a good mechanic my whole career but it's also hard to understand how to fix the equipment today like it's just with these emissions and stuff it's just it's not friggin' deaf man yeah it's just not it's just not the same it's not as fun you know you used to be able to pull out a transmission at lunch you know go leave the high school and pull an engine out and then go back after school and it's just not happening anymore and it's uh so it's just it's just different and you know so trying to to keep all that into perspective is, is important but it's uh yeah so that's the thing i just i really enjoy seeing the family i have some cousins and i have you know I have a lot of father sons or father daughters or all that type of thing that that work here. So, you know, one of our machine operators, his son works for us and his daughter works for us and his father worked for us. And we just had a guy who retired after 27 years with us. He was one of our, one of the guys. I saw that on Instagram. Is it the one you guys? That's the guy. Yeah. He's just, he was like cool as a cucumber, man. He'd have those machines just fully extended and he'd be like, working over top of the basement and it was just like yeah john we gotta not damage the floor no problem we take our time don't worry it's like yeah i'm i'm still worried man i know you're there's no one better like you're totally the guy but like you know we gotta you know do this a certain ways like don't worry about it and uh you know his son-in-law works for us so a, a guy that married one of his daughters so it's just nice to see that people are enjoying their time here and that uh, people are making a career out of priestly which is super awesome well it's like you said investing in your employees is super important too and and making sure that you you get a good team like you have some pretty ambitious goals which by no means i'm sure you will hit those goals but having a really good team is super important too i would not be able to do what i do without my team and i'm sure that that you're the same like i said i hire guys that are smarter than me i'm just i'm good at the vision and where we're going not so much dotting the t's and and uh you know dotting the i's and crossing the t's that's what i meant see i'm smart yeah um okay man well listen hey super pumped that you came on here today and uh, i want to thank you for your time and and obviously making the time i know you're a busy man and uh yeah thank you for coming on the con expo con a podcast ryan thank you very much taylor it was a real pleasure if you need to meet them, they're here at Con Expo Con Ag. You'll meet industry leaders and friends. You also, I can guarantee this, that you will build some new relationships in the community. You will find the equipment, services, and people within your construction field. Ladies and gentlemen, registration is now open. And if you want to save 20% off admission, use the promo code PODCAST20. Again, that is promo code PODCAST20. That is something special that we're doing here on the Con Expo Con Ag podcast for you. I'm going to be going. Ryan Priestley is definitely going to be going. Tons of people. Everybody in the construction industry goes to this thing, okay? It's North America's largest construction trade show. It's March 14th and 18th, 2023 in the beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Check out conexpoconag.com to register for more info.